But it was all that I could do to keep from crying. Well, you know who, who had the, his ashes uh, spread at home plate? The dude that did the Coke, Go Cups Go song. Yeah, was his name Goodman? Steve Goodman. Yeah, Steve Goodman. You know what else he wrote? He wrote the perfect country and western song, and then he sent it to either Waylon Jennings or one of those guys. Well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song. One more page, Section Jack. Something else. Eliani on the board, not teaching today. She's back on the board. By the way, you did an amazingly good job of teaching. Uh, Thank you. Young, young Matt is. A, I think he's a keeper. What do you think? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's really diligent and he's really he's excited. So it's it's nice to have someone that's actually excited to come to work. Might have to give him an expressway lesson one of these days. But other than that, you know. Yes. Well, I'm 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 teaching him. I'm teaching him. I'm letting him know. As long as we don't have any like accidents at the junction of Grand and like North Avenue. Or <laughs> <laughs> SP futures up, up twenty four bucks. Up, what does that even mean? Up, Nasdaq futures up forty four. Wow, an uptick. Haven't seen one of those in quite some time. Do we have Mr. Brendan? I'm here this morning, Chief. How are you? How are you, buddy? So, uh, I understand you were short. You're intro to the program. Uh, actually, that's been around a while, but uh, see, so, you know, that's my that's my big. Only thing. I use that one. Yeah, well, it, it, once in a while it pops out. Uh, you do know that. Uh, this is my thing against cremation, you know, that Steve Goodman had his ashes uh, spread around home plate at Wrigley Field. And then he, uh, the next year or the year after, they got the guy from the White Sox, your buddy, the, what, the Sidemeister, came over and tore side a hole. Sidemeister. Sidemeister, what's the difference? He, uh, they dug up the whole field, and now he's in a landfill. <laughs> So you want your ashes in Yeah, I think his ashes are always going to be around Ridley Field. Um, that would be a uh, somewhat of a what do you mean a supernatural sort of comment, but uh, from um, whatever. But <laughs> anyway, I think he's in a landfill, but you know, I guess it's okay. You know, it's the difference, I suppose. But as my Yiddish buddy Howard says, you guys think you're going to be raised up on the last day? Why are you making it so hard for him? I just stay in one piece. <laughs> Well, you know, for a long period of time, the uh, Captain Church was against cremation for that very reason, because he had to bury the body whole. Of course, it didn't really explain how people who were blown up in a, in a explosion or had lost a limb could be made whole on the last day after, unless their limbs were buried with them. Well, yeah, they did change their tune on that one. I'm not exactly sure why, but uh, they did. Was yeah. The, uh, I told you, the, uh, you, we won the, uh, well, the day that my, uh, actually we'll tell a decent story here, we started talking about the market. When my uncle, we finally, uh, we finally, a group contacted us and they had his, uh, he was killed in World War II. They had his, uh, Medal of Honor and returned it to us. There's a group that finds medals from people that are, are uh, not with the family and kind of tries to contact the family and returns it to them. It's an interesting group. Real nice. And, uh, Anyway, I, I noticed that uh, he was not buried until 1948 in the cemetery here. So, of course, whenever you have a question like this, there's only one place to go, and you go to the the mind of Lou. And I said, Lou, what the bleep? What's going on? This is an interesting story for uh, Eliani because it has to do with how some of the ladies got the short shaft in uh, hmm. World War II. Um, that Lou said well, that's why you have two... Uh, 
dog tags. Is a, he was killed, and there was a uh, his division or his unit was involved in a taking of a bridge over one of the rivers into Germany. I don't, I have no idea which one. And uh, he was killed in that thing in like uh, I'm going to say March of 1944. He wasn't buried here till 1948, which is you know that's a while. And uh, I said, Lou, how the, how the hell does that happen? And he said, well, what they would do is if somebody, if people got killed at something like that, they took the dog tags, they'd take one with them, and they'd, put the, they'd leave the one on the body and bury it in a common grave near where the action was. Then, of course, if you were the winner, the victor, which we were, you can go back afterward and retrieve these bodies. And then they would, uh, and, oh. and, and, uh, they would notify the family, and they'd say they would either bring the body back in whatever shape it had to be, because they weren't bombed or anything. I'm sure they weren't even wrapped up. Uh, maybe, maybe they were. Um, so they would, the family had to pay for the funeral here, but the, the government would pay to get the body back. So evidently, uh, my family, which didn't have much money, but my dad was a policeman at the time, so they must have pulled a few shekels together uh, for the burial and uh, brought the body back. And Luke said it was mostly groups of women that would go to these graves We'd have somebody open the grave up, and they would match the bodies to the dog tag. And I'm thinking, what a job that had to be. Wow. And, uh, of course, none of these ladies qualified for the GI Bill, which sucks, basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, uh, some of the stuff that went on, you know, with, with, who, who, uh, <clears throat> you know, who, uh, who qualified for these benefits and things like that are, uh, but anyway, how would you like that job? Just going from from it's a very grim right? morning. Yeah, for for just you know, and you, th- and you think you think we have a bad day once in a while. <laughs> you know, I, it all depends on which way you look, right, Brendan? I mean, I can't imagine doing that. It is. Uh, anyway, so yeah, always be grateful for what we have, even though it seems like it's bad someday. Yeah, what did you uh, what did you make of the market? I, I don't think, Brendan. I've been doing this for a really long time. I don't know when I've seen uh, a day that was as bad as yesterday, just relentless all day long without any sort of a really run down, run up, any kind of a, a, a waiver to the direction. It just down 10 spoo points and kind of wait an hour and down 10 spoo points. And I had a couple of clients calling the close and they said, what do you think? Should we, there was an expiration yesterday in the spider and the, and the cues. And they said, should we buy some puts for the close? And I go, you know, every time this sort of happens, I mean, somebody somewhere wants to short cover and you come back a few points on the close, and boy, that was a, that was the wrong advice. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and I, you know, we should have the, the puts that were traded at fifty cents closed two bucks. I mean, we, we closed. I mean, if it wasn't the absolute bottom tick, we're down one hundred and ten, one hundred and twelve spook points, and not even a not even a panic sort of day. You know, like a day like we open after nine eleven or anything like that. Just just a relentless grind down. Which, which a lot of the stocks just getting absolutely buried. And uh, some of the theme stocks, stocks from a couple of years ago, were down 80, 90 percent. I mean, what are we doing? The, um, I mean, those things, first of all, they never were, they probably never should have been even IPO in the first place, but that's another that's another story. Uh, matter of fact, there's a list here in an article by Jordan Novet and our Ari Levy. I think we've quoted some of their stuff before, but man, some of these stocks are whack, whack, whack. I mean, and you know, there's, you know what, Brennan, I talk to people 
a lot of um, potential clients and, and clients and a lot of our potential clients. And to be quite honest, a lot of them, I, you know, I, I just assume they've not, not become clients, but, um, you know, it, that's bad when you get to that stage, isn't it? Or actually it's good because, you know, you just, some people you just, but, uh, you know, you see people that are, are retired and every, every, Casino stack, not, not, not stacks in casinos, but every every stack that you hear about on TV that somebody's touting, these guys got in their portfolio, and you wonder well, what are you doing? I mean, a couple maybe, but uh, you don't even know how many these people are. Aliani probably knows all of them. Uh, discount Mobile Commerce app Wish. No idea. Uh, stack priced at twenty four, got as high as thirty two. Now it's trading a buck ninety nine. There's a problem. Robinhood, another one of these things. These guys. Uh, they became a uh, an IPO, early hype, uh, October 4th. The stock went up 50%, which is a launch of options trading. Popular choice for Robert Hood. A day later, the stock fell almost 28%. Uh, after they said existing shareholders would sell 97 million shares the minute it became an IPO. That's not a good, that's not a good sign. You mean <laughs> stock, I mean, what are you doing here? Stock's down from 60 to 10.55. Stitch fix. Wow. These guys, Stitch Fix, I remember these guys, they were, what, you get your stuff, uh, you could be, they'd custom, uh, measure you or on, on the internet or something? Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, a friend of mine has this, they, cause, you know, people don't, people don't like shopping anymore, so if, and people get bored of their clothes, so every month you can rent clothes. Ah. And then that way it also reduces, um, waste as well. I see. Sort of like renting a tux. Yeah. And Peloton, whack, 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 uh, a firm. Who, who, who are these guys? Well, these are, these are the guys that do the buy now, pay later offer. You ever, have you seen that, Brendan? You can, you can go buy. No. Well, you, you, if, if you go to even like, uh, L.L. Bean or someplace and you want to buy a shirt for like 50 bucks, instead of just paying for it, there's a, there's a, somebody ducks in there with a, with a buy now, pay later thing. For like a shirt. I mean, I'm not talking about a car or a house. We're talking about Mm-hmm. A, uh, isn't that what credit cards are for in the first place? A, you know. That's like the old layaway plan. Remember when we were yeah. kids and the store said layaway where you'd, you'd pay like $10 a month or $5 a month and after two years you'd get your shirt? Yeah, well, my my aunt used to do uh, the Christmas clubs. Remember, those were the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You'd put you know, 40 bucks away a month and then come Christmas you had whatever, 300 to spend on your grandkids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, see, a firm is one of the a firm. What are these guys? See, it's just one of those things that you, know, you wait long enough, and everything comes back around. Yeah, well, open like do- those bell bottoms, those, those paisley bell bottoms that you've got in your closet, chief. Um, well, I'm saying if they're in the closet from that back, they're not going to fit. <laughs> say, what should I do with my my 42 extra long tuxedo that I still have? I don't think there's a chance I'm ever getting back in that thing. Well, I think you uh, can look for a consignment place. Yeah, um, you yeah. either do that or, or donate them. I'll just donate it to a, to a skinny guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it was a Ralph Lauren. It was a beauty, you know. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I was hot back in those days. Just, well, now it's not the same. But. Once there was a day. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Brennan, what, I mean, when that happens like yesterday, you know, I'm kicking around here, but it, it, without knowing for sure, because you never really know for sure, there, there has to have been, there's got to be margin selling at this point pretty dramatically, I would think. It's been very orderly. But, you know... And plus, there had to be mutual funds selling on the close, which means people are, are off in their mutual funds at this spot. And it really is, uh, I, I see this once every once in a while. I haven't seen it in a long time because the markets have been up like for a long time. But you see this relentless 
if a stock is trading, you know, 150, you can't get it out of people. It's like pulling a canine. You can't get out of them at 175, and all of a sudden the thing is 100, and everybody's a seller. And, uh, you know, it, it, you just, I don't know. I, 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 you know, as you know, I've been, I've been, I've been ranting and raving as best I can for a long period of time that not only were the, was the market a little too high in my estimation, but people's portfolios were not balanced because the Fed has got things all screwed up with the money supply. And it leads to all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm going to say, Brendan is a, you know, just retired attorney. Uh, and I'm going to say, Brendan, and you disagree with me if you want. In normal times, uh, which we haven't been in a while, in normal times where you're making, you know, three, three and a half percent just in, you know, in a, in a money market or, or sitting here in an account at PTI, which we used to pay, by the, by the way, and you're making three, three and a half percent. Now, now nobody is. Uh, you're going to want to be, you know, we'll put the, the $10 million uh, Brendan chunk in there. You're going to want to be, I'm going to say, a million, million and a half just in cash. Why not? You're making 3.5%, right? I'm talking about inflation being normal. You're going to have some in some fixed income, some shorter term, some maybe a little longer term, but only if they're decent prices in decent places. And you're going to have, you know, 40 50% maybe in the market, but some of those are going to be in kind of dividend stocks, and if you like a couple other ones. Or I, I, if it was me, I'd have you know, a couple indexes, so we don't have to actually pick stocks. For fear, we'll pick Roku or Robinhood. Um, so that's that's your portfolio. But for the last ten years, you've been you you'd be beaten up at every cocktail party. What are you doing? You're not getting any money for your cash. What are you doing with fixed income? Nobody's paying anything there. You, sh- you got to be all in stock, and not just in stock. You got to be in all on Amazon. You got to be all in this. You got that's where the money is. You, you your portfolio is probably would be a lot different today than your what I would consider to be your normal ideal portfolio. And that's a danger. That's a serious danger, I think. And so we've got the market high and people's portfolio not the way they are. Because I, I've got clients that are, you know, in their 70s or people I talk to at other firms. You, you can't get them into a normal sort of risk thing for somebody their age. They, they won't even talk to you, Brendan. So when something like that happens yesterday, we had a couple of people who were talking to, and these guys are like, what's going on? I'm looking how much money I'm losing. I said, I've been talking to you for a year. I said, you're in these high-valued stocks. I keep saying, you, you've got to pile back. you got to pile back. I said, it has to be 10 phone calls. Yeah, but I don't want to pile back. I want I want them to go up. <laughs> I know. I get that. I mean, but wh- I'm talking to them. What do you think, Brian? I mean, we, we've got everything all skewed here, and it, it's very dangerous for people. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody wants to, to make money. They don't want to take a risk of losing money or don't understand that the market goes up and down. And, you know, I, I tend to be more conservative and think that it, it is better to have that, what you refer to as a normal investment plan of, of spreading things out. And, uh, and yes, I, I may not be getting as much as I could possibly if I pick the right stocks, and, but it's not going to hurt as much when things go bad. So, you know, I, I think, I think it really depends on the, and I've heard you talk a lot about how the market keeps going up and up and up to the point where you, you don't understand it. What is the correction going to be and how hard is the correction going to be? Um, and, you know, that's, that's part of the whole risk. And part of it is relying on the judgment of professionals like you to keep things in balance with the recognition that it's not always going to be an upward climb. That there are going to be days, there are going to be periods of time when, because of circumstances in the world and in the market, that you don't. Uh, you know, keep making money, and you have to adjust for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... It's a mindset. But you don't want... 
stuff to go around. Last thing you want to do is that people lose money to prove you're right. But I would rather just. Uh, I know that. Yeah. Well, I would nobody rather... wants that, but but it happens. Nobody wants that, but you know, that's uh, that's kind of what happens. Well, you know what the hardest the hardest question that I, I had a client on the phone last night. I, I said to him, you know, you just asked me the hardest question you can ask you could possibly ask. Uh, well, an investment manager like me because I know how to use calls and puts probably better. I'm, you know, you know, I, I don't have that much of a of an ego, Brennan, other than the fact that. Uh, that I try and get the best guests on here and try and get the best information for people. That they have that kind of an ego, but I don't think there's anybody around it that knows the 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 retail use of options much better than me. I mean, there might be somebody, but I don't know where he is, um, he or she. But the hardest question to ask anybody is if you've got a stock that's been a high flyer and say it's trading 200, and you could easily have protected it. Oh yeah, because it's going to cost you, right? You easily could protect it with some puts. Or maybe even sold some calls over time. Now, over time's a, you know, that's a tough, tough one too. Because who's to say something bad's going to happen at the first day you do it? But you, you can, for for a price, and if you're good at it, for maybe not as high of a price as you think, you can you can protect that portfolio, and uh, and and probably your, your your the price of your puts, which of course you know varies on the volatility, but is not all that expensive. Although if it is really expensive. It should be a, a wake-up call to you. It's like you know when you go in and buy your your midlife crisis Corvette, and the guy goes, "Well, the Corvette's seventy-five grand," and you say, "Well, I can I can cover that." And the guy goes, "Yeah, well, by the way, the insurance is like eight grand a year," and you go, "Wait a minute, why is it eight grand a year?" You immediately pop to your head and you say, "Well, there's a reason it's eight grand a year. Why do change the chain this thing to the curb or what?" You know, so you might say, you might decide not to buy it just because the insurance, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. but retail people. They don't act like that. For whatever reason, people's mentality when it comes to investing in stocks, they'll pick pick a stock like, uh, you know, whatever, pick, pick a stock like Robinhood. And you'll say, well, you know, the stock's pretty volatile. And by, Well, how much are the puts? <clears throat> and you say, well, the puts are this. Well, I'm not paying that much. That's way too expensive. You say, well, they're expensive for a reason, <laughs> right? Because the, the reason is it's a dangerous stock. Anyway, the hardest question mm-hmm. in the world is if you've got a, st- a stock that's, you know, Fairly volatile, you know, pick a, you know, say it's a Facebook, say it's something. Um, and all of a sudden the stack goes from 200 to 100. And now the puts, instead of being, you know, 4% of the price of the stack for the next year, are now 10. And somebody says, well, should I buy puts now? And then you sit there and you go, eh. You know, there, there's a tough question. And then the answer has to be, I just wish we would have done it when I said let's do it. But that's no answer either. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, but that's no answer either. You know, it's like saying you, you yeah. should have put your football helmet on before you got your concussion. Um, but it, it really is difficult now. I mean, do you really want to, if you have uh, Amazon, if you have Apple, Apple's has gone up, volatility's not up that much, but it has a little bit. But uh, if you've got NVIDIA, which is down like $100, if you've got those stacks and they're down 100 bucks, how much now do you want to pay for insurance? The answer is, I don't want to buy insurance as much here as I did when a hundred dollars higher, but I also know they could go lower, right? I mean, okay. Amazon's a perfect example. I did the uh, the math last night. Oh, I went to a site that had the math, so I don't. I'm not going to swear by it. But Amazon is now uh, where the hell is it? It's uh, it's up eleven bucks today. It was down like a hundred yesterday. It's twenty seven sixty one. I'm going to say it was recently what thirty three hundred. So it's down, you know, whatever, 16, 18%. 
it's gone from a 65 PE to a, like a 43. So, do I like it a hell of a lot more in a 43 than a 65? The answer is yeah, but it's but it's still 43, Brendan. It's not like it's 10, right? Mm-hmm. And then who the hell knows what earnings are going to be like next year if if the world continues to to spiral into recession, which it absolutely is right now. I mean, can anybody debate me on that, really? Well, um, how bad? And I, you know, things are going to get worse with the situation in Ukraine and you know, the supply chain shortages are going to get worse because of the impact uh, in Ukraine. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who works for uh, a big tech company, and 80% of her team is in Ukraine. Uh, and you know, they're still able to communicate with them, but um, they don't know where they are. I mean, they, they're no longer in the offices or in the areas where they were three weeks ago. And for safety reasons, the, the team members aren't disclosing where they are. I mean, they might say, well, I'm in the town where I grew up, but they don't mention that it's still town A. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of repercussions, negative repercussions in the, in the near future because of this situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be ugly. I know our uh, our former producer uh, Angelica. She's real worried about her family. I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to get her on one day, but she's kind of reluctant because she doesn't want to let me know where everybody is either. Uh, yeah, that's that's a real danger, right? Guy, you know, you hope that and when they when they go to places in the country in Ukraine, what's the internet connectivity like? How how long can they stay in touch uh, with with good service or? Will Russia be able to affect the communications generally in Ukraine in the near future? So there's there's a big danger there. I mean, there's, there's personal danger first and foremost for anybody who's over there, but the the repercussions on the on the world is uh, tremendous right now. It's a tremendously dangerous time. Plus, I don't think Poland's got the economy to handle two million uh, refugees themselves, do you? No, they don't. And, you know, what's the rest of Europe going to do? Will they continue to, to allow the refugees over the rest of Europe or elsewhere? Um, and, yeah, like now, the latest number I heard was like 1.7, 1.8 million. And, uh, and, but the country's got 44 million people in it right now. So, uh, and you know, this is not even a, a short-term thing. Even if, even if Russia were to prevail in quick takeover, there is so much animosity from what I'm reading of people that I'm talking there's so much hatred and animosity for the Russians from the Ukrainian people who are still there, um, that's never going to go away. I mean, and that, that's worse than, than British subjects around the world were in the 17, 1800s. Uh, and they, they just despise Russia right now. So there's going to be uh, a lingering anti-Russian effect throughout Ukraine and, prop- and that part of the world for decades after this. Well, yeah, they still don't like them from the famines from Stalin. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's a right, and it's going to be worse now, and and you know, that's that's going to breed undermining. Uh, it's going to make it very difficult for for Putin and the Russian government to keep them in line as subjects, uh, you know, even if they are are victorious in, in taking over the country. Maintaining control of that country is going to be very very difficult for them without uh, some re- resistance. Well, look what happened in. Uh I mean, uh, we we continued. Well, we uh, somehow they well, it was a big enough country. They, the, the Nazis never really gained control of all of France, right? And uh, the French right. Under, French underground was very effective, even though the Jet and the Nazis were mm-hmm. were really good at what they did at locking things down, right? Uh, still, they yeah. they had issues. And uh, 
And the Germans in World War II had less resistance from the rest of the world than Russia is facing right now from the rest of the world with the sanctions and threatening, threatening counterattacks. The, uh, yeah, I don't know what, uh, what, you're, you're, you're a learned attorney that likes to do compromises. Is there any possible way that, that Putin can retreat out of this? Uh, in, in, I'm going to say not li- figuratively in, in one piece. In, in saving face? Yeah, any kind of saving face at this point. I, I don't see it. I, I, because, uh, you, you know, when I, when I look at what he has done, what the Russians are done, and the, the way that they sold it to the Russian people, I don't see a way for him to come out of this without, uh, without some kind of embarrassment. He was way too deep in his ego, uh, and uh, the, the messages are are way too uh, way too embedded to to get out of this in a good way. Well, what made him? I don't know if you were fortunate enough not to listen to me yesterday, but to listen to Lou. Um, he he was surprised from the well. He gave the uh, the uh, the armed forces. He was surprised that the uh, Russians. Seem to be unable to do coordinated attacks by planes. They don't have the organization to do it, or maybe they don't have the, you know, the air, the what are the little, the little uh, radar things in the air they call the uh, planes. He says they, 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 he says the, the tanks are, are old. The rations are expired in two thousand and five. I mean, they're they're not they don't seem to be set up for a long campaign. I, mean, I, I think they underestimated or something. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to put myself in their mind, but it's. A lot of stuff's going wrong on their on their side, and uh, which means oh yeah, you look at the, you look at the convoy that, that surround uh, Kiev, and you know, they're running short on fuel and supplies. So it's a supply chain issue for them too, as far. And uh, I do think that they miscalculated. They thought that they were going to roll into Ukraine, and everybody was going to lay down their arms and welcome them, or at least put up no resistance. And uh, it, it's not. And a lot of them, a lot of their soldiers are killed. I mean, they they. You know, admitted several hundred people being killed, which is more Russians than in any recent conflict, and uh, and that's you know maybe a tenth of what has been estimated on the other side as far as having Russians killed. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so this is not the, this is not the easy takeover that that Putin thought. Where yeah, it was. It, it, so I think that's. That's showing a lot of uh, weakness on the part of the Russians right now. And the way that you do that is you get more desperate, so you start pounding the civilian areas and the cities, reducing it to rubble and uh, making it uh, you know, a more horrific attack in the hopes of uh, breaking the backs and breaking the resistance of the Ukrainian people, but also instead it's strengthening the resolve. Well, and also, if you ever, if you ever win, you got to put it back together. You don't have the money for that. Well, right. You got to put it back together like a Marshall Plan. You yeah. got to put it back together, and you got to kind of maintain government over them, control over the, the people. Which goes back to the point I made earlier that they're they're embedding so much hatred towards the Russians that they're never going to be able to control them. No, I agree, Brennan. Thank you very much, buddy. SVV is up twenty-one. Nasdaq is up forty-two. Be right back, Mr. Joel and Connor. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Hodge. He's Eliani on the board. SP Futures. This is nice to have. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about some up, up moves here in the market for a change. SP Futures up uh, 24. We're down like 105 yesterday, so maybe even 110. So we're uh, whatever. Not even 20% of the way back. NASDAQ futures, uh, up 56. Dow futures up 190. We're down over 700 yesterday, but we will just, might as well do the, yes, we were 797 in the Dow yesterday. 127 in the S&P. NASDAQ was 482. I mean, other than like, you know, 911 kind of stuff, uh, boy oh boy, that's, I don't know when I've seen a day that bad. Uh, it was, we just relentless from morning to night. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 430. It's 1.7. Shanghai down 79, 2.3. Hang Seng down 291, 1.39. And just as an example, I'm going to pull up the uh, chart of the Hang Seng right here. And uh, 
it's, 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 it's somewhat brutal. Uh, we, we get, we were at, uh, in August of 2021, we were, t- well, I'll make that in July, we were 29,000 Hang Sang, and now we're 20,765. So we're talking 8,000 less. So that's what, 25%, 28%? That, that, that's a real lot. Uh, you know, 28% correction is, is pretty serious. Plus, they never really got to the high screaming numbers everybody else did in the first place. Uh, over in Europe, we've got, uh, the DAX is actually, up to 21.7, they were down almost 4% yesterday, maybe they were down 4%. FTSE down up 47.7%, they were not down as much. Kek around up 126, that's 2%. Uh, bonds, 1.86, that's 11 basis points higher, they're heading back towards 2%. Uh, the bond, a positive 10 basis points, which puts it back over zero by, uh, 0.09, so that they, they were below zero yesterday, now we're appreciably above zero. Uh, Japan, up, up one basis point to 0.16 is the, uh, actually last week the balance sheet actually shrunk a little for the U.S., so maybe the Fed is starting to do something even though they haven't been doing much. Oil up 289 still, it's a dollar, a hundred, well, dollar, 122 dollars a barrel. Brent up three bucks to a 126. Natural gas down 24 cents. 458 R Bob, get this, up another nine cents, 366. So if you can get, if you can get gas at 419, you're actually doing good with our Bob at 366. <clears throat> Gold is up another uh, 20 bucks at 2016. Silver up 65 cents, 2637. Uh, copper is unchanged at 473. And we've got crypto up 1300 to 38,863. It had shrunk from uh, 43,000 down to almost 37. A lot of stuff here this morning, Eliane. What do you, what do you got on your end? Fair yeah, you got a busy, busy morning over there for you. All yep. right, guys, let's get into it this morning. Currently 6.37 a.m. on March 8th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA, Bulls lose to the 76ers last night, 106 to 121. The Phoenix Suns will be playing Magic tonight at 6 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes play Red Wings tonight at 6.30, and the Blackhawks will be playing the Ducks tonight at 7.30. Weather this morning, mostly clear skies. We're sitting at 30 degrees with a high of 39 and a low of 29 in Chicago. And in Phoenix, currently sunny, 44, with a high of 67 and a low of 44. Traffic this morning, we got traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between the 294 South Tri-State Ramp in Harlem. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy Expressway between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp in Lawrence. Traffic eastbound on the Edens between North Racine and Canalport. Intermittent traffic westbound on the Edens Expressway between 130th and 79th. And that traffic picks up again at 35th Street and goes to East Ohio. Be mindful of a structure fire at Dalton Avenue. And we also have traffic this morning northbound on the Stevenson between Route 12 and South Damon. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? Good morning, Chief. How are you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing all right. I was just going to... As a as a wizened market participant, and you guys have your finger on the pulse of all the news, what the hell was yesterday? Was there margins? I, I don't think I've ever seen a more relentless selling day without like a bombing or something happen really in all my life. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, when I was looking at it at the end of the day on the uh, on the hourly, uh, it was just a step down seller the entire day. And... Um, what I think is happening is, you know, you get some optimism in this market uh, that, you know, things are going to be resolved, and it happened that the opti- optimism came right at the open, right? You got, well, you got that news at like 7.45, and people get, twi- you know, get, get leaning the wrong way, and, uh, and they get slammed. So, yeah, there's, I think it's the... Absolutely, 
absence of follow-through on good news as opposed to looking for direct bad news. Yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard of any sort of, mar- but I w- there was a list yesterday, so I went through it this morning on CNBC of like the 10 worst stocks, and good Lord, some of these things are from $35 down to $2. I mean, there's got to be, they've got to be squeezed out margin-wise in some of these places, the Robin Hoods of the world and the, those kinds of things. I mean, Peloton and those were high-flying stocks. Yeah, I think also, I mean, did, uh, did you see the beatdown that uh, some of the banks took yesterday? I mean, if you did want to look for some negative news in the market, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, U.S. banks, you know, what's your exposure? Maybe not so much to direct exposure to Russia, uh, but what about the, you know, the uh, tied to the European countries? Uh, in European economies, um, I think also thing that one thing that I saw uh, probably didn't get as much emphasis in the media was a little bit more concerning to me uh, was that uh, you know Russia's uh, you know switching over to some of uh, the Chinese payment systems. Uh, so what's that? Um, I think eventually you know what they're trying to do is move away uh, from the financial independence on on SWIFT in the U.S. financial system. I think that that. I think that's what this war is about. I don't think this is any kind of military victory over the United States or, you know, a nuclear attack. I think this is more an attack on our financial system. And uh, so far, <laughs> they're doing a pretty good job. Well, I just, whenever, what I've stopped trying to do over my however many years in this business is trying to figure out where exactly the banks have risk because, they always have some, and it's never anywhere near where I could predict. It's always some avant-garde spot that I never would have dreamed. So I'm not even trying this time, but I know some somebody somewhere. I mean, I remember the long-term capital fiasco, and that was with Russian banks. And that was, what, 30 years ago, 25 years ago? And uh, it was 1998, so 24 years ago. And uh, I remember the Fed had to do some... Amazing stuff there, and I'm going to flat out say this, to refloat their buddies that were losing money on this at the expense of other people. Because I, I know it for a fact, Joel, because I was asked by people in New York uh, how, had, how bad people in the, What they did was they, they lowered the discount rate on a 10 o'clock on an expiration Friday in the OEX. Yeah. And uh, it, it flipped the market dramatically, and I know two or three of my best friends never traded again after that day. And... Uh, the question I got in New York, because I was there for a marketing, CBOE marketing event, was how bad did some of the traders get nailed because they essentially had some people that were in really bad trouble from long-term capital, and they gave them the high sign that this is what they are going to do, and they let people trade ahead of the number. And basically fixed, the, fixed it that way, you know, found the two or three places that were in the worst shape and said, here's what we're going to do, sort of like uh, Casablanca when they said, you know, I think you should put this on eight red or something when the guy was looking for the plane pass. Remember that scene in the, in the casino? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, the, and the one guy says, "Are we sure this is a straight game or something like that?" <laughs> the other, the other boob at the table. The uh, anyway, uh, but I mean, I, I, I don't. That's from that day. I don't trust these people, and I don't. I don't think for a second that uh, there isn't somebody in trouble somewhere. Now the question is, who and where and how much. Right. Yeah, uh, also, I mean, I think, you know, just referring, you know, to the banks, uh, you know, we were, you know, looking at, uh, you know, a steady stream of rising interest rates, which, you know, it's supposed to be bullish for the banks, but, 
Uh, the Fed has definitely, you know, softened its stance, uh, you know, already. It seems like they have. Looks like they're going to be going a quarter point in, um, in March, and then the incremental moves up. But uh, what else, you know, the worst thing for banks is, uh, is a recession, right? And, uh, you know, recession or slash stagflation. And, uh, you know, if these continued, you know, uh, shocking our commodities prices on oil and on these inputs, uh, we very well be, you know, could be heading towards stagflation. So I think that that's an, uh, another reason. But you're right as far as having the, you know, what, what exposure where to banks. It's something that you kind of find out after the fact, uh, which is unfortunate. Well, Joe, you know, I mean, after a day like yesterday, I, I guess I could be more blunt than I normally am. But you and I are pretty blunt, so it's hard to be more blunt. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that since 2007, 50 to 60% of our population has never exited a recession. And I think we've solidly been in one for just about everybody, except for people who uh, were able to game the PPP and other stuff and just got gobs of money from the government. Anybody who couldn't, I think, has been in a recession for at least two years and is seriously in one now. Just saying. Uh, there's a lot of people, yeah. A lot of people would, uh, would fit that bill. And um, and now with, you know, higher prices, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, you know, I hate to use that word, um, stagflation, but uh, that, that's what, um, uh, it's hard to say, it's, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. Especially when you you know you see no you know quick end to the conflict and um, and you know what what we're dealing with uh, in commodities it's kind of like the, the you know the COVID thing you looked at it and you kind of looked like oh they're you know they're medically we could get our, you know our way out of it but this is not a it's not a health problem it's no. much deeper than that and. Uh, you know, we'll see who teams up with which side to get it done. I think, you know, one thing that, um, you know, people are worried about, you know, the, you know, China and the potential impact and Taiwan, but man, China buys a lot of stuff from us. You know, they, they, they need our customers. They need, uh, some of our production. So it, it's, it's a convoluted uh, situation and, um, you know, I wish I could say something more 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 positive about it, but um, we're we're in a we're in the hurt right now, and um, really can't see you know the Fed the Fed's out of bullets this time. So well, you've got a little bit of different scenario. I don't know how things are up in uh, Detroit, but but here in Chicago, we had our geniuses in in this area just came through. I mean, there's people that have twenty twenty five percent, maybe even thirty increases in their gas bill this year on top of all the rest of the mess that uh you know uh type of thing but i tell you what i i, I want uh if, if you do the math for most people gasoline you know is an irritant when it goes up uh i'll tell you what joel i i i, I put 105 hours in the suburban tank <laughs> sunday morning and i'm not even full and even and even for me and i'm not i'm not wealthy but i'm, I'm okay i don't the thought i just said you know they're I'm gonna. There's 20 hours. I'm not gonna spend on something else. And that's me. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, there's a lot of ancillary. I mean, there, there's there's airlines, there's restaurants, there's retail. I mean, there's so many sub components, you know, under the hood that are affected by these higher oil prices. That uh, 
We got to figure something out, Chief. I wish I had the answer for you. Well, maybe maybe by next week you will, buddy. Take care of yourself. Be good. SP Futures. Go blue. SP Futures now only up six. Nasdaq is now negative four fifty. So we've turned the bus negative. We'll be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Blowing up by Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures up nine. NASDAQ Futures up three. They were just, they just ducked negative in the NASDAQ, but quickly bump. Now they're down 75 cents. We have Mr. Kenny? We do. Kenny, uh, it's your job, uh, to cheer me up here because, uh, <laughs> do you know a young lady named, uh, Holly Elliott? Works, writes for CNBC? Yeah. Um, she just wrote a pretty darn good article here today, but reading it is, uh, is not easy. How will Russia's war yep. with Ukraine end? Here are five possible outcomes. I don't know if you read this, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't read it yet. Uh, she's a learned lady. Uh, this is, yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. Doesn't sound good. Any one of the five kind of sucks. <laughs> with, with people fighting for like a real long period of time and NATO involved and oh God. Um, right. Can you think of... Can you, you've been around a while, do you ever see on a non... Uh, well, I won't say there's nine news day because they surely held a lot of news, but a nine, like nine eleven, nine, you know, long term. You ever seen a more relentless selling day, steady, st- steady and steady all day long, like yesterday? No, but I think what I, I think it's clearly a combination, right? It's absolutely geopolitical. It's absolutely what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. It's, it's the rhetoric that you know he's spewing out. It's the demands that he's making upon Ukraine. But then it's the reality that you know we lived way too long with way too much stimulus 
at the Fed behind the eight ball, and now they're in this position where people are now starting to question based on what's going on. How can the Fed consider even making a move while others are saying they have to make a move? There's no, so you're on one side of the fence or the other. There's no more kind of middle of the road, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. It's either yes or no. And while the Fed continues to suggest that they're going to move, the markets are anxious about it, right? Because, uh, uh, not only geopolitically, but they're anxious about what that's going to do to the longer-term uh, economic outlook. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely going to uh, rein it in. I do suspect we're going to hit a recession. I think that's what the market's afraid of. Um, and I, I, I don't really see there's any other choice. Do I think there's going to be a soft landing? I don't see how there can be a soft landing considering everything that's going on. And I think that's what the market's telling. Well, it's 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 funny, Kenny, because what we obviously we try and do in a show here i have to, i have to be all over the stuff because otherwise guys like you would never let me get away with being one-sided um people again there was a couple guys yesterday that were somewhat learned and they were talking about how can't believe in a recession uh, even one guy was saying that that paul volcker sent uh the economy into a recession well my right. my view of that and i would i would i'd be happy to challenge him in any kind of debate in the university is that we were already in a recession. It just was covered up by the numbers because of the way the money supply was growing. Right, and right. But at some point, remember, at some point, he had to jack interest rates up because then it was, he was completely losing control. Right. And that's how I feel. That's what I feel is happening right now. I think the Fed is way behind the eight ball. I think he all but said it last week in his testimony that you know that they that they missed this. Although we tried to convince everyone, they're still ahead of it. I think the fact is that they're behind it and. Inflation is going to get worse as we go through the year. I don't think it's going to start to subside in 2022 at all, especially now that we've got this uh, Russia-Ukraine crisis going on because energy and food commodities, for sure, are going to uh, are going to surge in value as they have, and that's going to work its way through the system and continue to put up with pressure on prices. And so I think the Fed and every other central bank, by the way, the ECB and and uh, uh, the Bank of England and the Bank of Japan, are all going to be faced with the same. Uh, question, right? What to do next? Well, I mean, you can you can actually sound somewhat intelligent. You or me personally, I don't know if we can, but the uh, by saying, "Boy, how do you how do you raise rates going into the recession?" But the problem is, Kenny, we're, we're not normal. We're not we're not at neither one of you and I. If we were at three percent, would be would be advocating anybody raise anything. But we're not. Right. You know, we're not. I mean, it's like we you know we're it's dry out we're not we're not we're not recommending we stop sprinkling the backyard oh wait a minute the backyard's three inches deep in water i mean we're still at zero i mean if you think about it they haven't even raised rates yet right they're going to raise them in two weeks or they're going to they're going to propose to raise them in two weeks but we haven't even raised rates yet we're still uh we're still in the stimulus mode even though all this has been happening and even though they recognize probably you know, late in 2021, it's not my opinion that they knew they were behind it, but now that now they were stuck between a rock and our place, not wanting to rock the market's performance in the last month of the year, certainly waiting for January, and that's exactly what happened. That's when you heard the more aggressive talk right after the new year, and uh, and now this has happened, and it's going to create even more, in my opinion, even more aggressive talk. Um, two questions. One, uh, in, in my, I was almost half half asked. Uh, kidding several years ago when i first started saying that you know one of the, the reasons for inflation for for a uh, a government is you want to pay people if you're broke you want to pay people money back for less than it was worth when you borrowed it from them. Now, right. but now this particular year i mean how much of this kenny you're, you're closer to the, to the powers to beat than me how much of this is intentional i mean right now i mean, you, I mean you, we, we could debate 
uh, I don't think we'd debate too much, you and I are kind of the same page here, of what the long-term inflationary rate is in terms of uh, a 30-year bond or a 10-year note or something. But I don't think there's any debate between you and I that this particular year, right now in the next 12 months, the inflation is going to be, pick a number, 10, 12, 14, let's say 10, yep. let's say 10 and be nice. Yep. And uh, the federal government wants us to give them money at essentially 0%, and they're going to pay us back with 90% of what they essentially they right. borrowed from us. That that can't be an accident. That has to be on purpose. Well, it has to be by design, right? Because yeah. uh, clearly they're going to inflate their way out of this because that's one of the ways to get out of this mess that, that we're in, right? And for and for all those that listen to you and I talk about, you know, what it was like in the late 70s, early 80s when this happened the last time we had stagflation and, you know, 21% interest rates and mortgage rates at 18% all that stuff. Everyone who laughed at us and said, oh, no, it could never happen. This time it's different. They better get ready because they're about to learn. They're about to get an education because I think that's exactly where we're going. But how, how are 330 million people going to put up with, especially with the market going down, going to put up with... All their wealth be, being dropped by ten percent a year. Well, what are they going to? What are they going to do? Are they going to riot? Are they going to? do? I tell you what. It, the idea that, you, that there's going to be something after first we don't know, then we're going to recognize it, then we're going to find out it's, it's on purpose and it's both parties. I mean, maybe maybe we'll elect somebody different. I don't well, know. May, right, and so that'll be it. Right, there'll be a complete change of leadership down in D.C. Maybe maybe Americans will wake up to. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, what's d- going on? maybe there'll be term limits instead of you know being a, people being able to be there for forty years and take advantage of the system. Maybe there'll be term limits. Maybe that is something we should consider, right? Well, I'm thinking I mean, maybe you and I something say it all the time. Maybe something something different than just two parties right. that somebody seems to control. Because they, you know what? One thing I learned from uh, well, from you and the rest of it, mostly from Carl, because uh, whenever whenever I'd argue with him, he'd drag out some like twenty year sheet. <laughs> Or third year, you know what, Kenny? You look at this stuff long term. You can't tell when one party leaves, the other one comes in. Agreed. I mean, it's, it's not like these people are different. I mean, when no, it comes, they're not, and they're all in bed with each other. Yeah. As much as they try to, they try to play sides. The fact is, they're all in bed with each other. Who's getting over? But, but we're, we we collectively are, are not that stupid. We have to realize that our dollar, right. the, the, the paycheck, is worth way less than it was last year. And, and, and at some point, people are going to be pissed at. It. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not acting for an armed revolution, but. I'm not, at least I'm acting for people not to not to be in denial all day long and still get ratings. Right, but the ones that get hurt the most in this environment is middle class and lower. They're the ones oh, yeah. that get most impacted by out of control inflation and the lack of a dollar going further and further. Right, the wealthy are not affected. Makes no difference. Really well, I mean a, a little right? bit. But if you if you combine inflation, I don't care how rich you are. If you've been if you've been rich the last 10, 15 years, it's because you've had some of these stacks, right? Correct. Because uh, you're not getting them, unless you're working for some somebody with a utility or someplace like that, where you're relying on Musk, you're not, you're not getting the kind of raises that, that are going to put you into the absolute wealth wealth stratosphere. You're doing the market. But you right. you, you, uh, you combine a 40% drop in the market with 20% inflation over the next two years, I don't care who you are, you, you're, you're feeling something. Well, you're definitely yes, you are going to feel it, but the middle class and lower is going to feel it even more. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't know where I am. I'm definitely not one percenter, but I felt the 105 hours for not even a full tank in a suburban yesterday on Sunday. Yeah, right. I know that, and I got a, I got a, uh, I got an Infinity QX60. You know, which used to cost me forty dollars to fill up. Yesterday, it cost me nearly seventy. 
Well, then I, I, when I turned it on, it didn't even go to full. That was the real. I, I got I got to 105 bucks. I said that's enough. I'm not, I'm not paying. Yeah, but anymore. you're also driving a house. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a little. But you know what? We had this debate over a couple of adult. I wish you were there, Kenny. There, and I, one of the guys was talking about uh, nice guy. Uh, he's a real, real. He does a lot of a uh, African American guy. that's going to be on the on the air. He, he does a lot of work for the food depository and stuff. Volunteers. Anyway, terrific dude. He was telling me how he wants to go to. First, he wants to get a a uh, electric car. And he wants us all to go to a game in Green Bay, right. right? So of course, we all launch in on him. Like the reason why people with little cars save money on gas is because the guy with the big car has always got to drive. Right. I, I, said, I said, I said, we all know that if the four of us plan our fat asses in somebody's car to drive to Green Bay, it's going to be my right. suburban. That's right. <laughs> it's right. Be right. Because it's a house. It's not going to be in a small car. Yeah, none of us are going to drive in that thing. We all want to be nice and comfortable in the suburban. <laughs> Right. Plus, if we're going to tailgate, what are we going to put that stuff in that little thing? <laughs> anyway, right. so Kenny, is there any way out of this? Are we going to how, how much lower are we going to go? I mean, some of these stocks. There's another article this morning about the ten worst stocks. These guys are down to they're down to nothing. You know, the Robin Hoods and the, the yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. I got to tell you, yesterday we broke the January 20 foot lows of, at uh, 41 foot, uh, 42 uh, 21, and we closed at 4200, which put the February 20 foot lows right in the line of sight, 41 14. That's going to be a key level, right? I absolutely guarantee that the the algos are now they've broken that 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 uh, the January trend line. They're going to test the February one again, and forty one fourteen is going to be key to watch. If we if we hold forty one fourteen, you might turn for a little bit, and then you'll see the markets come down. But if we break forty one fourteen, we're going straight to about thirty eight fifty. So that's down what another uh, another three or four hundred point three hundred points on the S and P from here. What's your, uh, real quick? It's not going to be pretty. We've got to let you go, bud. But real, one quick question. I have not, I looked yesterday, I can't find anything on, on margin selling. Have you heard anything? I have not yet. I have not yet heard that, but I'm sure that's going to be coming up. All right, bud. Take care. So hopefully better news next week. Have a nice weekend. Uh, SP futures up 475. NASDAQ futures down 18 now. Make that 19. Be right back. Hopefully, Mr. Jeff Joseph. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 
20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamal Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 475. Nasdaq, however, is negative down 21, 22. Boy, these things are they're moving fast. It's a uh, I don't know. It's not much. It's a, it's a rough one. Do we have Jeff yet? We do not. Uh, no, not yet. I'm going to try to reach him. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to go through real quick um, this, uh, this particular article here by Holly Elliott. Uh, again, I, I think she did a terrific job here because I think you know one of the things that I uh, I try and do um, first of all when you don't have uh, when you don't have the answers you can at least try and organize the questions and I think she's. Uh, uh, she's done that for us here in, in this article. And, uh, and boy, every one of these things. Essentially, it's how will Russia's war with Ukraine end? Here are five possible outcomes. And, uh, as of now, the, uh, there's 1.5 million people at least that have headed to neighboring countries, like a lot to Poland, I believe. But here's, uh, number one possibility is, is patchy control, which sounds just about as bad as it, is the name. Uh, close watches the Russian-Ukraine war say the fluid and rapidly changing nature of the conflict makes it hard to gauge what will happen in Ukraine. But it sounds like this lady went to one of uh, Eric's creative writing classes. Boy, she speaks well. I can't write this like this. However, it's widely expected a Russian uh, President Putin loathing co- uh, Ukraine's current pro-Western government. Its aspiration to join the EU and NATO wants to install a pro-Russian uh, museum in Kiev. Um, I think that's kind of where he is. But what leaves him with uh, patchy control of eastern Ukraine up to maybe the Dnipro River and to put in some kind of a Russian-backed puppet government. All right, so that's, that's a possibility. That would be, in her estimation, that would give you 5 to 10 million people uh, would f- get out of Ukraine to Western Europe. I think, I think the population of uh, Ukraine is upwards of 40 million, maybe 44. That's a lot. So this would be this, uh, other than this, she calls it a rump Ukrainian state is likely to be led from the city, the, ca- the capital city, uh, with the rest of the, uh, country in, uh, kind of almost, uh, insurrection mode, semi-exiled government with, and they're going to receive, you know, heavy Western support since this thing has become so, so worldwide here. Uh, however, in such a scenario, she says, Eurasia group predicted in NATO, which has so far refused to intervene militarily, would provide significant military assistance to the Western Ukrainian state and material uh, to support insurgency in Eastern Ukraine. In other words, this thing would go on forever with the NATO, which also would put, you know, maybe some NATO troops in in harm's way with Russian troops, and would certainly be a big, uh, big bill for Russia on an ongoing basis. Now, I don't know if that's something anybody wants, and what what that what that does to them. Uh, anyway, but this this means the other is. Kind of a purge and partition. It's funny that, that if, you, if you listen at all, once in a while you'll, you'll hear Putin's group 
refer to the uh, Ukrainian people in charge as, uh, as Nazis and, and fascists. Well, uh, at one point, Stalin was such a bleep to these people that when the Germans showed up, some of them figured Hitler was, was probably easier to, to live with than Stalin, and I'm not so sure they weren't wrong in some ways. I don't you know. It's hard to, hard to make that choice. Uh, I mean, if you, hard to make that choice if you were there, certainly 75 years later kind of reading about it, you're not going to be able to do it. But, uh, this would say that the, uh, uh, sort of the same thing, that, that the Russians would gain, um, that they'd get this, uh, the Donbass region, which they already was recognized the independence, and a couple other two pro-Russian republics, and then they would just kind of lock into that state, and, uh, and it would be a smaller area, but it would, you essentially would have partitioned the country, and you'd, and you'd purge all the Ukrainian sympathizers out of those areas, it'd be smaller. I mean, she's, she's done some thinking, right? I don't, uh, I don't want to go through all these, but the other, uh, the other is this insurgency that the Russians take over, but there's just constant insurgency. It's like, um, hey Carl, what's up man? Are you there? I think he's putting his headphone in. Okay. <laughs> Hello? Hey, what's up, man? Well, you know, uh, it is a nice day today, uh, and uh, the, the market hasn't completely detonated. It's it's actually, uh, you know, up just a tiny little bit, so. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on. We're down 20 in the NASDAQ. I'm going through. I'm trying not to... To bore the hell out of everybody by going through line by line, but I'm really intrigued by this uh, column this morning written by, and I'm going to certainly give her all the kudos I can, uh, a lady named uh, Holly Elliott, who writes for the uh, um, CNBC, and um, she just lobbed out here, uh, again, this is more of a question kind of thing, Carl, stuff that you and I like to do. We don't have the answers, but we're not afraid to ask the tough questions. She's got five ways she thinks this is going to end. Either Russians grab this piece and and try and just say that's ours, and maybe, and or they they try and grab the capital, which leaves essentially two countries, which is the west side of it, constantly fighting against them, or, or they try and purge all the Ukrainian people out of some area. I mean, it's NATO versus Russia, and, and every one of these things, she has a different view of how much NATO continues to support the insurgents, and up to and including that NATO actually fights with some people in some spots, and uh, it, because the uh, one partition piece. Wants to become part of NATO and does, and then, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I tell you what, I can't pick one of these five. All of them seem to me like they, they're almost equally as likely and equally as bad. Well, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I've, I've kind of war gamed through in my head uh, a lot of the stuff with what's going on right now, and uh, I put an article out yesterday. Um, and, and it was the later, you know, the last in a series of things related to this. It, it, just going back and, and cataloging how we caused this. And that we, we the United States specifically, not I mean, Europe too, but we the United States caused this. And it goes back more than 20 years. In fact, it goes all the way back to when Gorbachev uh, was running the show over there. And we were trying to uh, broker the, the reintegration of Germany after the wall came down. And we successfully did that. Uh, and one of the things that we told him, and and there's written documentation that we did, okay, so it's not, you know, speculative, that was that we would not expand NATO's boundaries eastward. We would not do it. 
And in 2004, of course, we did exactly that. And we didn't do it by executive fiat either. The Senate confirmed it as a treaty, a formal treaty ratification. So um, that set the stage for this. And then, of course, the Made in the Square thing, which everybody loves to say, you know, there, I don't, I don't know if you remember it. I remember it quite vividly because I wrote some articles on it at the time. There was a, there was a mass sniping incident in Maiden Square during that revolution, and it was, it was decried by everybody as a war crime. It's, uh, you know, you people are monsters, uh, and of course, everybody pointed fingers and said the other guy did it, right? Well, <laughs> okay, so now you, you got Porchenko who, who comes in, and ultimately this guy Zelensky. And, and the, but here's the problem. None of those people were ever caught or prosecuted. Well, the old regime that was in power at the time was deposed. So if they were responsible, don't you think that they would run these people down to the ends of the earth, find them? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I don't... Uh, so... It's, it's really hard. I, it's, it's kind of an ever-changing... As we used to say on the trading floor, Carl, it's an ever-changing marketplace. I don't, I don't know that uh, something that we... You know, we're, I'm on board with just about everybody, or I think a lot of people that think in some ways our our, our our foreign policy is the advanced the advanced group for some of our biggest companies, and and you know nobody decries that more than I do. I, uh, but I, I try and uh, piece together what what you're saying a little bit with what you know uh, Lou was saying the other day that uh, nobody. Even though, you know, there were all these premises and so forth, I mean, he didn't go into this this way, but I'm just kind of talking for him. Nobody except people who, uh, were involved in Russia back then, which would, you know, guys like him, because he was a JAG officer over there, that, and he, I wish I almost had it on tape, I could play five minutes of it, but, but Lou went through this routine about how, not routine, this story, that the only people that knew even how to deal with, uh, Say a market independent economy over there. The only people who had that kind of skill were basically their version of the mafia guys, which were the KGB yeah. people. So they essentially, five hundred to a thousand people took over the place and make kind of all the dough and kind of keep their thumb on everybody. And Putin is just the number one; he's the leader of that pack, essentially. And, well, yeah, uh, but you, but you know what? The same thing is true in the Ukraine. Okay, true. You have, we, we sanctioned, now, now we've dropped sanctions on all of the oligarchs and, you know, basically the, the pile of dudes that do this over in Russia, right? We're seizing their yachts, we're taking their money, we're, you know, anything we can find, we're grabbing. Okay, fine. Tell, tell me how Zelensky, in three years, goes from being a, basically a media personality to having over a billion dollars and all of his friends, all of the Ukrainian oligarchs that funneled this, and who, by the way, are the same people who were connected to all the stuff with Hunter Biden and everything else, how come they haven't been sanctioned? Um, how come How come uh, Michael Madigan gets invited and Kamal Edison doesn't when they gave him the money? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, it, it's, I, I just, what I find just stupid is that we always, when it comes to things like this, and we did the same thing in the Baltics when we did when we got involved in that. We've we've done the same thing with with so many other groups and so many other parts of the world. We always clutch pearls about how wonderful 
whichever side we happen to support is. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. If, I'm sure you do. You remember all the stuff that went on when Madam Albright was involved, and and oh, you know, these these people are terrible. At the same time, over in Rwanda, they're literally taking hatchets to people's heads. Yeah, yeah. And and they would, do, you know, the administration would do absolutely nothing about that, and. and, and Yet they were literally chopping heads off people. What did uh, so, was Harry Truman's famous line? Yes, he's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Yeah, and so I mean, there's this kind of thing. You know, there are no good guys when this kind of stuff goes on. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there are any good guys. What I see is as a potentially nasty situation, though. And and I mean, if, if Europe wants to risk ending up a nuclear wasteland over Ukraine. Uh, that's up to them. We as a nation should tell them, we're out of NATO. We're done. Trump was talking about doing this, and he was right. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, <laughs> that actually, that some, you know, some public position he took was actually intelligent. Uh, he was right about this, and the reason is that NATO was formed because of the Warsaw Pact. Yes, yeah, that's, right. that's why NATO existed. The Warsaw Pact is gone. The Warsaw Pact's been gone for more than twenty years. What purpose does NATO serve? Uh, the answer is none, except to try to destroy Russia or replace its government with a form that and a, and a person or an organization that we like, as opposed to one we don't. Well, guess what? Um, you're you're trying to do that with a with a bunch of people over there that happen to have nuclear weapons. Are you really sure that's a good idea? Well, Kyle, I don't know. I the only I mean, I normally even though I love to argue with you, I pretty much agree with you on just about everything. This one, I I don't know how much of it when you say a lot of this stuff is. Our, I'm w- I'm with you on the part that we are very wishy washy and who exactly we're trying to benefit in our foreign foreign policy, and a lot of it is in the average citizen here. So you're not going to get any argument out of me on that one. But the Russians have decided to go economically in another direction to where, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, Chicago in some ways. I mean, as long as a few people make all the money, everybody's all right. I mean, I, I don't blame the people from Latvia saying we want to hitch our economic horse to Europe and not these, these losers over in Russia. That doesn't make the people in Latvia perfect, but they're not that dumb either. I mean, one, one area is growing and one area isn't. I, Forty years from now, we don't want to be with Russia. We want to be with these other people. I don't know, I don't know how we control that. Well, you, well, you don't, but there's a difference between becoming part of the European Union and hitching your, your cart and your horse to their economic future. Okay, which is what you're doing if you become part of the EU. Well, I, mean, I, I don't have. I don't think anybody has a, a right or an ability to interfere with that. When you really get down to it, or at least they shouldn't. Well, I mean, I, to form a different. But yeah. but when you start talking about a military alliance with a with a a guarantee from all the parties that every one of them defends the other, now what you're doing is you're allowing people like Lindsey Graham to run around. Yeah. And in public, say that the head of another country should be assassinated. Don't we have some and kind calling of... for that to happen? And if it does, every one of the other fur, the the other nations within this group are obligated to come to the defense of the person who did it. Uh, well, I've never been a fan of that guy. Don't don't we have some sort of a? Well, we don't. We haven't had forever since we had other senators way back in the day, but. Uh, is there some sort of a, of a a handbook for these guys on how to behave? Well, I you know the Senate has the right, as does the House, 
to expel any of its members upon a vote of the bot. And that is a very serious problem from a foreign policy standpoint when you start doing things like what Graham has done, because if they don't, and they're not going to, then essentially the Senate has taken up that position as, as a position. All right. I mean, if you are, if you are a member of a, you know, of a corporate governing body and you shoot your mouth off like this about something that bears on the operations of the company and the board doesn't fire you, then the, the board has essentially taken up your position as something that they consider acceptable to the firm. And that's, that's what's going on here. So now what you've done is you've essentially told Putin that, uh, yeah, okay, uh, somebody should come over there and, uh, you know, and try to, uh, try to kill you like they tried to kill Hitler and they failed. Uh, and, and I mean, that's a, that is exactly what Lindsey Graham said. And if somebody does that, then the United States has uh, has essentially sanctioned an assassination. What was the book about the uh, the guy trying to bump off De Gaulle? Uh, Day of the Jackal. Yeah. Did you read that book? Yeah, I did. Pretty interesting. What? And the weird part was the last page of the book where the guy they could they thought it was. He said, "Hey, that's not me. I'm right here." <laughs> Remember? Yeah. It wasn't even the right guy. Uh, it was a, it was, what, so that had to do with what? The, the, the French, all the people are making all that money in Africa, and when, it, when De Gaulle, uh, got rid of the Foreign Legion, it wasn't just getting rid of the militaries, all the people are making money on it, right? Yeah, and that's, see, you know, when you really get down to it, wars, wars tend to come from two primary things. They're resource fights of, of some form. Um, or sadly, historically, a lot of them are religious based. Uh, but, you know, but resource fights are nasty. And one of, one of the things that I've been concerned about for quite a long time, um, that we seem to have solved, but not in the way that we would have liked, is, is that Russia is very resource rich, particularly when it comes to petrochemicals. And China is very resource poor when it comes to petrochemicals. But China has, you know, 25 times the military size, and just in terms of men, as does Russia. And so if the two of them were to get into a war over resources, uh, Russia would have really no option other than to nuke Beijing. It would be the only way to stop it. And so, that you know, that we did this, that we, we got this mess going on now with Ukraine, uh, I don't know if you saw what happened over the weekend. Visa and MasterCard shut down yeah. all transactions, and so did American Express. They basically isolated all of the cards that were issued in Russia as Russia usable only, and all the ones issued somewhere else are not usable in Russia. So in response to that, the Russian banks turned around and formed an agreement with China and, and connected themselves to China's Mir network, and so now you have another global means of, of Russian citizens and uh, people that happen to go into Russia uh, that want to be able to spend money. They now have a way to do it because they, they now clear those through, uh, through the Mir network. And, and oh, by the way, um, uh, gee, that's, that's really bad for the, san- the so-called sanctions that we thought we were dropping on these guys. But what it does do is it connects China and Russia better more together, and then uh, China and Russia also just signed an agreement that they're they're going to transact, they're going to move oil and natural gas, they're increasing pipeline capacity between the two countries, 
Canadian tend to settle it in euros, uh, which gets around the sanctions as well. So, I, you know, the idea that we can strangle uh, Putin's government with this stuff is nuts. The only person we're strangling is ourselves. Well, how does a... This is a... I mean, I don't expect you to have the answer to this. It seems to me that every major area has some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of fossil fuels. I mean, obviously, we have a lot. Uh, how, how does the China, with the massive landmass they have, I mean, it's not like there's there was no, uh, whatever created oil in the first place, it's not like they didn't have it in their area. Do they just, they just don't know how to look for oil or what? No, it's a, it, it really is, it's not evenly deposited. I mean, that's the, it, it's a geography thing. Um, but there's also, there's another interesting thing too. I haven't seen any confirmation of this, but there's, there is a, uh, there's a claim running around that one of the primary things with this, um, the gas pipelines that go through Ukraine, they don't originate or terminate in Ukraine. Right. Okay. They go through Ukraine. And the, the common chestnut has always been that Ukraine is essentially a, a highway. Okay, for all intents and purposes. And historically, it has been for invasions and, uh, you know, and other uh, misadventures, if you will. But there is a claim that Ukraine itself has an, an unbelievably large, untapped natural gas reserve in the ground. Now, I don't know if that's true, but if it is, then, uh, oh boy, does that change the calculation? Well, I mean, there's... Again, I, uh, I, I used to, well, I used to enjoy myself when I went to those, uh, big money shows, Carl, of going to all the oil and gas guys. Uh, oh yeah. Well, not because, not because they, they, they had the, the most attractive people out in front manning their booth, but actually it, it is, it is a fascinating. I mean, you, I could see where a, somebody who's a petroleum engineer would love his work. It, it is, to me, it, it's as interesting as trading the market every day. Every field is different. Every every area is different. Uh, matter of fact, in, in Indiana, in Ohio, Ohio maybe even more than Indiana, there's no, I don't know if there's any commercially available gas wells there. If there's enough gas in Ohio that if Carl decides to have a, a big plant for, for automobiles, you can probably dig down and find way, way more gas than you need to run the plant for yourself. I mean, it's, there's enough there that, that everybody... To, to to power whatever you happen to need in that area, you know, but not not enough where you can put a pipeline and send it somewhere else. So I mean, right. there's, there's all kinds of those kinds of bits and pieces of things around to where it's it's. I mean, in Illinois, we have more coal than anybody else in the world, don't we? So I mean, if actually you didn't care what you spewed in the air, Illinois would never have an energy problem. But it's a crummy well, coal. One of, yeah, one of the things that's that's really uh, sort of nasty. When it comes to that, uh, the coal in particular, you know, of course, coal is evil. Everything is bad, and uh, you know, we we can't do that because it's it's terrible for the environment, and you know, we're, we're green and all of this. Uh, but as I pointed out in World War Two, the the Germans figured out how to turn coal into sun fuel. Basically, they needed to do it for their war machine uh, because tanks run on gas and diesel fuel, as do cars and you know all the other stuff, the transport stuff. So they figured out how to do it. It's called Fischer Trop. It's a, it's, that's a chemical, that's the name that they gave the, uh, the chemical process. And it uses coal, basically any carbon source is a feedstock. 
and uh, and produces synthetic fuel. And there's there is there are a couple of of commercial plants. Um, SAS Oil in South uh, South Africa uses it uh, simply because they don't have uh, oil that they can drill out of the ground, so they use that in order to to make gas. Well, it, as it turns out, the curiosity piece is that there happens to be thorium, naturally occurring element in coal. It's a trace element. It's the reason that when you burn coal and the ash gets into the air, it causes lung cancer because thorium is, while it is not fissile, it, it is not usable directly in a reactor. It is fertile. So when it's bombarded with neutrons, it turns into things that are fissile. But it also emits alpha radiation, and alpha radiation is extremely dangerous if it's inhaled or ingested. So that's the reason that burning coal causes lung cancer. But there's 13 times as much energy in the coal available from the thorium as there is from burning the coal. So we could have, and we knew how to do this in the 1960s, we ran a plant uh, at ORNL, which is about 40 miles from my house, uh, that used thorium as a fuel, a liquid fluoride salt reactor, molten salt reactor, and we could use that. It runs at a high enough temperature that you could then turn the coal into sinfuel directly without having to go to electricity first. We'd use, in doing this, I, I ran the math on this thing and put an article up about it about 10 years ago. It was one of the the, uh, the chapters in my book, Leverage, which, which Wiley published. We could have been completely energy independent from everybody else, had all the diesel and gasoline that we needed, all the electricity that we needed, and we have the fuel to do that for 500 years. What, what, do you, what happened to all the sulfur? Because the, the Illinois coal has a bowl of sulfur in it. Well, the, the, the sulfur is not, is not the issue. The thing is, is that if you, if you use fissure troughs to do this, you essentially are constructing the hydrocarbons that you want. So, I mean, that's a non-factor in this in this sort of scenario. So you're, so you're not burning it. You're doing something else to it. Well, no, you are burning it. You're, you're you're constructing the hydrocarbons, but you're you know, but the but the chemical process, the sulfur drops out. So, I mean, you, I'm assuming you could make sulfuric acid out of it, which is useful for other industrial processes. Okay, because that that's different than the uh, what was the plant they were going to put up in Illinois where they were going to take all the the carbon dioxide and the sulfur and buried underground or something. Oh yeah, that's a that that stuff's crock. That's a crock. Okay, I mean it's it's a, it's a pleasant idea, but it, it but it makes absolutely no sense. Um, I mean, I know you know that it's it's kind of like the the idea that well you know we have this this high level nuclear waste and uh, you know let's shoot it into the sun. Well, that's great until the rocket doesn't work right and it, it falls back down to earth. Yeah, right? yeah, you don't do that. You need the enterprise yeah. for. Well, the other the other thing that's nice about this particular form of nuclear fission is that the the reactor, by its design and by its operation, burns up the high level nuclear waste by itself. So you end up with about a hundredth of the dangerous stuff uh, from using this form of nuclear energy that you do from using what we use today. So it's it's much much less nasty in terms of the potential environmental impact. Uh, and it runs at one atmosphere. You don't have to have right. high pressure, which Carl, also makes it a whole lot safer. So you can't you can't get a situation like what happened in Fukushima. Uh, hold that thought, bud. S&P futures now down five. Nasdaq futures down fifty eight. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't think Carl did this. Make that down 60. We're now, we're, we're leaking here again. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower Pope, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Hodges, Eliani on the board. Uh, SP Futures now down six. Nasdaq Futures down 63. So much for being up. Uh, the headline is Stock Futures are wobbling, wobbling. So we're not... I think we're just playing down, Elian. I don't think we're wobbling anymore. Dow Futures down right. 37. Uh, over in Asia, we've got, again, people are various, various catch-up here, depending on when they close yesterday. Nikkei down 430. It's 1.7%. Shanghai down 79. 2.3%. Hang Seng down 291. 1.4. But the guys that are leading the charge to the downside is probably Hang Seng over there. I got them down like 28% from their high. Uh, over in Europe, we've got... DAX still up 24.2%, FTSE down 25.4%, CAC around up 15.2%. These guys are down heavy yesterday. Uh, yesterday, talk about down heavy, Dow's down 797, barely came back from the 800 point number. 
down 127, that's 3%. NASDAQ down 42, that's 3.6%. That, it's going to leave a mark in anybody's portfolio, especially if you've got any kind of leverage. you got to be looking at the, your margin loans right now pretty heavy this morning. Uh, bonds up uh, 10, 10 basis points, 1.84. And the boom blast to the upside from minus 0.01 to positive 0.09 this morning. That's a big move. Uh, Japan up 2 basis points to 0.17. Uh, oil up 439, 123.79. Brent up 520, uh, 128. Uh, natural gas down 26 cents, 457. Arbob, however, up another 14 cents, 371. That is, that is just relentless. Uh, gold up $21, 2016. Silver up 74 cents, 2646. Copper down a penny at 471. I'm, I'm hanging on to my gold positions for, uh, my people, uh, even though it's getting a little toppy here, I think, but, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm hanging on to is the, uh, the GDX and some of the individual miners. Just by putting it on a graph, I have no idea where these things are going, but uh, it looks like the last time gold was this high, the, the actual mining stocks were higher. Uh, the hard part there is, and maybe Carl can give us a, is to try and figure out how much these guys have hedged, which has always been always been the problem in, in, in picking uh, gold mining stocks. You don't know how much they've sold forward. They used to tell you. I don't know if they know anymore. Anyway, crypto up twelve hundred bucks at thirty eight thousand eight sixty. Eliani, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports, and I've got even more questions for Carl that I. Dreamed up on break. Alrighty then. Alright guys, good morning. Currently 7.35 a.m. on March 8th. Let's start with sports in the NBA. Bulls lose to the 76ers last night, 106 to 121. Phoenix Suns will be playing Magic tonight at 6 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes will be playing the Red Wings tonight at 6.30. And the Blackhawks will be playing the Ducks tonight at 7.30. Weather this morning, nice sunny day in Chicago. Only a couple clouds in the sky. Sitting at 29 degrees with a high of 40 and a low of 28. And Phoenix, sunny, 43 with a high of 68 and a low of 42. Uh, traffic this morning, we have a busy, busy time on the highways this morning. We have traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Route 20 all the way to downtown approaching the construction intersect that's sitting at the 290-94 highway uh, crossed, uh, crossway. Uh, we have traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Homan and 25th. Traffic northbound on 294 between East Tui and the 290 East Ramp. We have traffic uh, eastbound on the Kennedy Expressway between Route 83 and Lawrence. Traffic westbound Kennedy between uh, Lawrence and West Higgins. We have traffic eastbound on the Edens Expressway between West Dempster and Roosevelt. Traffic westbound on uh, the Edens Expressway between 130th and West Dempster. Uh, we have traffic northbound on the Stevenson Expressway between Route 171 and South Damon. And we have traffic northbound on Lakeshore Drive between East 31st and East Grand. And traffic southbound on Lakeshore Drive between East Grand and East McFetteridge. And that is what I have for you, Chief. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> it looks nice out today. It's better than the snowy mess we had uh, we had yesterday. Um, Carl, I have several questions here. Because you you brought up a, um, kind of a parallel argument to I uh, had a... An adult beverage with somebody who used to be on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll be back again one of these days. Although she has a, a job that she's working a gazillion hours a weekend, so we'll be a while. We're, we were just talking a little bit about uh, one of the reasons why maybe our, our our generation's a little more depressed about things, not just the COVID and other things and other stuff. And we kind of locked into a lot of the things that we thought we were going to accomplish as a generation. We really haven't. I mean, there's been Huge advances in medical science. Not so sure there's many many advances in medical care for people. Uh, but one of the things when I when I was in, uh, you know, I I was not a, a physics guy. I don't know the stuff like you do, but I 
took a course at you know in high school and was a pretty good course a year and those sorts of things. But and in college, I was I, I did one year in pre med, so I had some science behind me. Um, I don't understand why the things you just talked about. I just assumed when I was in high school, everybody said, "By the way, by the time you guys are, are our age." We're going to have a whole bunch of nuclear reactors, and by the way, there's going to be this feeder reactor, and all the all the spent crap is going to go to this place, and it's going to come out with new fuel, and nobody's going to have to worry about burying the crap. Now you're talking about this thing that that it could have been, could have, could have, would have, should have. Why has none of this stuff happened? What? Why? To me, I think that's one of the reasons why our generation, all this stuff that was supposed to happen, hasn't. Why are we just asses, or what's wrong with us? No, I think I think what we are is corrupt jackasses, just like they are over in Ukraine and in Russia. I, I mean, <laughs> you, th- you think about it, you know, the, the, when nuclear energy was oversold, I don't know if you remember it, but the, but the original claim was is that the electricity would be too cheap to meter, that they'd, they'd literally just charge you for the connection fee to the grid. And, uh, and they wouldn't bother with a meter on your house. Well, what is... And, and, and of course, that was BS. Okay, okay. But, well, before it's totally BS, they still have a few nukes around Chicago, and if you and I wanted to open up a uh, a blast furnace steel company, our electricity from 2 to 4 in the morning is virtually nothing. Well, yeah, that's because that's the way it works. If you have more than is demanded, okay, then, you know, and, and the thing about nuclear plants, along with large coal-fired plants, is that they cannot load follow. It takes a long time for them to change their output. So you end up with exactly that situation. If you want to run your, your steel furnace at 3 o'clock in the morning when everybody's asleep and there's really no demand for power, and, I mean, in the summer, the, you know, everyone's air conditioner's off, it's not hot yet, uh, then, uh, hey, that's fantastic. Uh, you want to do the same thing at 3 in the afternoon in July. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, I mean, it's um, it, we, we, have, we have this concept that we can just shift away from things that we know work and believe that somehow everything will be all right and we don't have to deal with the engineering issues and we have, we have built a a group of people and a nation that has gotten the idea that all this can be had without any risk and without any negative consequences and of course that's never true okay but the last time that this country really faced serious negative consequences from an external source was Pearl Harbor when Japan blew it up okay so you know we've had we've had lots of wars we've had lots of adventures we've had lots of this and lots of that but it's but it's never hit us and remember that during that period of time Europe got blown up twice and essentially yeah. flattened so we we then decided that we wanted to clean up our own mess because, you know, let's face it, we had steel mills all over the place. The Detroit River was was unswimmable, was full of poisons. Uh, so with a lot of the other, you know, rivers and such, I mean, you know, over Pittsburgh and, and other places, it was horrid. And, you know, Love Canal and all of this, right? So, all right, so we cleaned all that up, but we didn't actually clean most of it up. What we did was we said, okay, this labor is expensive, this environmental control is expensive. We're going to put it over here, and then we're going to claim it's okay. And, and that's what we did. Is we did, it, it, where to go? It went to China. We interconnected things, which is fine. But we also became dependent, which is not fine. And now look at look at what Europe did. The Germany shut down nuclear plants 
that are, were in perfectly good operating condition. There was nothing wrong with them. But they turned them off, and they, and they shut down their coal plants because, by God, we have to worship at the, at the altar of Greta Thunberg. And, and this stuff's not green, and, it's, and boy, there's danger in that nuclear... Well, yes, there is, okay? I mean, things can break, and if they do, very bad things will happen. But what do you, what, what'd you replace it with? Well, you ran a big pipe across the, you know, across the ground in Ukraine uh, to use natural gas that comes from Russia. And, and so rather than drill it in your own land and, use, and, and take the environmental damage, once again, what did Europe do? They shoved it over somewhere else and said, oh, it's clean. We're doing the same thing with so-called electric cars and solar cells. Making solar cells is a nasty chemical process. The reagents are horrible. And, and anybody that thinks that electric cars are fantastic, if you took a look at what you have to do to make a lithium battery, you change your mind. Okay? But we don't do it here in the United States. All of the, all the ecological damage we do with oil and coal and natural gas in the United States that's produced and consumed here is taken here. Well, we don't change the amount of ecological damage that happens by putting it in China. <laughs> we just change where it happens. Hey, uh, speaking of which, what is what is the uh, how is this, is nickel is a hundred thousand dollars a ton now? How does nickel fit into whole, this whole process? What does nickel do? Well, nickel is an essential element in an awful lot of things. Um, <laughs> Other than nickel, I'm sorry. Other than the nickel, well, it, it, it's in steel. Um, I mean, stainless steel, for for example. Uh, there's also chromium, cobalt, medallium, titanium. There's other things in there as well. But without nickel, uh, you're not you're not making buildings and you're not making stainless steel. Well, nickel surge just raised the input cost for an electric vehicle by a thousand bucks. Is it in batteries? Yeah, it's used there too. Okay, so what nickel? They're nickel cadmium batteries, right? Or the old ones? Well, nickel cad. Well, no, the batteries. Now that's a. Those are an older version of uh, of rechargeable batteries. The stuff that's used now is a, is is considered a lithium battery, but lithium is not the only element in them. And so the other the other big one that's in there is cobalt, and the uh, the only real source of cobalt because the mining is so nasty is is actually essentially conscripted children. In Africa, right, and and so all the people that think that we are are so wonderful using electric cars, well, guess what? You're using slave labor, and the slaves they're using are kids. Um, I mean, there's no. Yeah, I just you know that stuff just it boggles your mind, Carl. I mean, I because I was in regards to what you were talking about the process and me talking about the feeder reactors and things. I uh, one of the listeners, I don't know, they tried to aggravate me, I guess, but shipped me this thing of like I probably have it somewhere if I could tweeted out but um had to do with like five different examples of things that were done in short term in world war ii now mind you world war ii took half the time it's going to take maybe maybe not maybe if, uh not even half the time maybe a third of the time it's going to take to redo the burn interchange right so i mean when you when you when you, when you look at things like this it's pretty scary it was I mean, Goldgate Bridge took what a third of the time is the burn interchange, and and look at the bridge versus the burn interchange. Uh, right. But they they talked about how uh, ship construction, 
airplane construction and the, and the and the and the atomic bomb and the the amount of people that had to work and how many tons and tons of uranium and how many these factories were built the factory where they built you know the one there were two main places where they assembled the bombs right or they got the uranium together one of them was like how many square miles and it took like two months to make or three months to open I mean, we can do an awful lot of stuff when we feel like doing it, and yet we never, we don't seem to get anywhere with some of this stuff. It just, it is just so frustrating. I don't, I don't, you don't even know where to start. I mean, why, why don't we have something like this going where, don't worry if this works in 10 years where we don't have to worry about importing this or that or digging here or there. I mean, what, I mean, do people just forget about it when they argue about the next nickel in Congress or what? Oh yeah, and and well, and but the thing is, is that it upsets the apple cart because it'll turn somebody who's currently a winner into a loser. Of course, it'll make other people who who currently have nothing into winners, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of the way the sort of thing works. But you know, the, the people say, "Well, you know, these things have never been proven." You know what? We ran one of these reactors here at Oak Ridge for four years, and you know how you know how they shut it down on the weekends when they went home for the weekend? No idea. Turned it off. They just turned the power off and walked out the door. Really, it's, it automatically shuts itself down and drains. It drains the working fluid into a tank underneath. It cools and it turns off. It, and, and the stuff turns into a solid. They come in on Monday morning. They turn some heaters on in the bottom of the tanks. They they melt the working fluid, pump it back into the reactor, starts running again. Well, how did how did we know when we had literally hundreds of thousands of people working on it that the atomic bomb was going to work? Well, we, you know, the story of the development of that, especially the, the second one, the one that we hit Nagasaki with, which was an implosion weapon. Uh, there was there's a a thing, the, the core for that uh, was known as the Demon Core. It killed several people while we were verifying that the calculations that we'd made were right, and the way we were doing that was experimentally, and uh, those experiments went bad more than once and ended up irradiating people and, and causing really horrible things. So, I mean, we we took a great deal of risk when we were doing this sort of thing. I mean, well, the original pile under the, you know, under Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Chicago, yeah. right? Yeah, it was a, oops. Well, that was, a, that was an open pile graphite-moderated reactor, and, and they put it together basically to prove that their calculations were correct because they didn't know that they were. And, uh, boy, if that had gone bad, that would, that wouldn't have been a good thing for the city, would it? Well, I mean, how many graphite bricks did they need? Like, a hundred thousand or some ridiculous number to, to protect the thing? Well, it was not just that, it was yeah. also the shielding, you know, the lead around the outside, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was the, that whole, you know, but again, when, when we really put our minds to it, uh, we're, we're capable of some amazing stuff. It's just that we we get this idea that life should be without risk. We have the EPA, we have all these other agencies, we have all the, and then we have the screaming Karens who come out in every in, you know every situation. Oh no no, you can't do that without this 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 this. And and what would take us a year to do takes ten because we're screwing around satisfying all those people instead of getting it done. And and I get it. A lot of this check and balance stuff is important. It would be, you know, it sometimes prevents you from doing something really stupid. But on the other hand, um, here we are with, you know, multiple nations with their finger hovering over a big red button. That could get kind of stupid too. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, we latest example we have a a thing here in Chicago. Did have a thing. I, when, I, when you lived here, where'd you live? 
where, where, oh, in the Chicago area? Yeah. All over the place. There's a Wheeling, Mundelein, um, in the city, in the, in uh, Wrigleyville, uh, on uh, near Belmont and Sheffield. My oh. first office for MCS was actually on Belmont, 1300 West. All right, so I'm I'm, I'm at uh, Sheffield and Armitage, roughly. So a oh, okay, mile and a half south of you. Well, there's a in uh, one in one Kingsbury. They had this. They actually had two of them, but there was this big metal recycling place. Uh, something iron, Chicago iron, somebody iron, General iron. Uh, and every morning you'd see, you know, all the, all the pickup trucks of the guys combing the alleys for metal lined up at the place. And, and every once in a while you'd see a a, a huge uh, semi trailer with with one side of the trailer not not there. And they would have like 50, not 50, maybe 25 scrunch cars stacked up in there. So everything would go to this place. And whatever they were doing with the stuff, now you'd get some, you know, some metal coming out of there. The stuff's getting crushed, and I'm sure uh, it wasn't the best, but it's been there like forever. And you want to recycle stuff, right? And, of course, you, these people are picking this stuff up and making money so the garbage men don't have to do it. It doesn't end up in a, in a, in a, in a landfill. So it, I mean, it's, it's kind of working for everybody, right? Well, the Karens are outraged because this thing does have some pollution, and once in a while, you know, it'll, you hear a, an explosion of some kind. I mean, it's not the best, right? But, of course, they know they're on their way out, so they're not putting any money in the place either. So finally, the, the city comes to a deal with them, and they say, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, you'd see at the end of the day these big, huge flatbeds of uh, trucks come out of there, and they get these these things that look like metal, almost like almost like metal stones, or, you know, they, they're just... just Little shale pieces of metal that are that are the, what's left, right? And uh, right. one of my uh, architectural buddies tells me, "Oh, you can you can use that for just about everything, bridge metal, br- unless it's some high end specialty metal like you're making dyes out of or something." He goes, "That can be used for anything, buildings. I mean, it's you know you got to process it." And uh, he goes, it, "It's serious. That's why we don't have to have near as many uh, blast furnaces as we used to because we can use this stuff and it's perfectly good." Well, the city says, all right, you're shut down. Screw you guys. The, the neighborhood finally works its magic. So they say, okay, you got to go over to the south side. So they give them a spot over there. I don't know exactly where it is. but and Of course, then, the people down there who happen to be African-American. Now, of course, it wouldn't surprise me if they stuck it right in their backyard when there's a lot of empty spaces, so I don't know exactly where it is. But now it becomes the thing. You're taking this out of a white neighborhood and put it in a black neighborhood, so we don't want it here either. Now, I don't, I don't know how far away it is from the nearest house or whatever, but all I know is that we all want to recycle, right? I mean, everybody wants to do that theoretically. And, you know, and, and you don't want this stuff going into, into the, uh, uh, you know, whatever, the waste dump. And, it, and it's, it's all kind of working, right? But now all of a sudden, at the last day after these guys build the place, they deny them the permit. So now they're, they're bleep out of luck at both spots, and I don't think there is a recycler in town. So now yeah. I don't. I don't. What, what exactly have we gained? I'm not saying it couldn't have been done better. I'm not saying it was the, the perfect spot. You know, my my idea of a perfect spot would be between the Stevenson and the river, where nobody lives. You know, I, I would probably maybe I'd have found a better spot away from everybody. I, I don't know where you had still had the river there, where you could take something out by barge if you needed it. I mean, but but somewhere along the line, how do how do how do the same people that demand that we recycle everything don't want to recycle anywhere? I mean, how do you do that? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing, is that somebody has to be out there to do it, and it has to be done to do it, obviously. And nothing that you do 
when you're talking about technological advancement and, the, and advancement of our, our way of life, is without risk. And there is no such thing as having an economy without a unit of energy behind every unit of GDP. I don't care whether you like it or not. That's the, that's just the way it is. It's I mean, you know, entropy is not a suggestion. Thermodynamics are not suggestions. The laws of physics cannot be repealed by waving your hand and screaming at people. And so if, if you're unwilling to accept these costs and these risks, then you're not going to have those technological things. You're not going to have those comforts that we have today. And we all take it for granted because we didn't have to build it anymore, and we, we think we can shove it off somewhere else, and it's just fine. Yeah, well, it's not that fine. And what if they ever decide they want to clean their area up? Well, yeah, and then, you know, I mean, you look at what's going on right now, okay? We decided that we were going to put a guy in the White House who says, no, 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 you cannot have, you cannot have Keystone XL. Okay, so we, we shut down the Keystone Pipeline, which is, is really more symbolic than anything else, okay, right, in terms right. of the actual impact on oil supply and gas supply. It, it's, it, it's not all that material. However, what we also did was the very same administration canceled a bunch of leases, and that's real. Okay, yeah. because that was happening right here in America. So if you if you recall when Jimmy Carter was in office, and and by the way, everybody's real quiet. Boy, it's real quiet about this. It's it's not even in his presidential library. I went and I looked for it. Um, he shut down nuclear fuel reprocessing with an executive order. I remember you telling so me that. He yeah. shut down the capacity in the United States to take the spent fuel, which is full of really nasty stuff that's bad news for 100,000 years, put it back into new fuel pins and put it in the only possible place where it's safe, which is in a reactor where it will get burned up. Okay, because you've already got nasty stuff going on there, so right. putting it in there doesn't hurt anybody. He, he shut that down with an executive order. That turned the investments that private firms had made in that process into dust. Billions of dollars went up in smoke in an afternoon. Ronald Reagan, on his first day in office, rescinded that order. It was canceled. However, not one firm since has been willing to take that gamble again. Well, I was looking. And at I don't the, blame them. I was looking at the uh, the the rig counts. Um, you get the who is it? Uh, Baker Hughes rig count. It, right. It, they're they're creeping up, Carl, but they're creeping up way slower than you would you would expect normally. Well, yeah, nobody believes it. But, you know, here's the other thing. You know, everybody talks about the world price, you know, and the, and the futures contract, either WTI or QM, okay? All right, fine. Um, do the people that are talking about this, they, they do realize that there's more than just a front-month contract that trades, right? Um, they, it's not good news. It's not good theater. Well, actually, if you go look out like next in, into next year, you'll see that the the contract out in the next year is trading about eighty dollars instead of one hundred twenty five. Carl, you never want to get let the facts get in the way of a good story. Oh yeah, okay. So nobody really believes that this one twenty five is going to be three hundred and stay there, do they? No, I, uh, I, uh, well, I, I think that oil has have a history, it, and it is very short term. Inelastic. I'll use an economic term that uh, maybe some people don't understand. It's very short-term inelastic, but it's very long-term elastic. So the well, that's true. And then there's you know there's another aspect to this too. I had some friends of mine that when natural gas was extremely cheap a few years ago, they were they were all falling over themselves to convert everything else to use that 
as a heating fuel. And and I, I cautioned them. I said, look, take a, tw- take a look at the 20-year chart of natural gas and prices. You will find that it is, that, you know, where it is now is extremely cheap. But today where it trades, everybody's screaming about it. And yet it's actually not that expensive on a historical basis. No. Uh, also, when you look at the definition, and once in a while, you would think that somebody who's, who's giving uh, a news flash would actually give you a definition. When somebody says the, uh, we have this many barrels per oil, the, the, the barrels per oil total in, uh, that we, in the U.S. that are, we're capable of having, um, has to do, the definition is what can be removed from the ground today at market price. So if oil actually stayed at 130 a barrel, the world is awash in oil, right? Well, it, yeah, but it's not going to. No, no. Right, the, right. The, the, problem, the problem with oil where it is right now is that oil goes into absolutely everything, from shingles to transportation right. to, I mean, you, you know, you, you take a look at the, the 20 things around you on your desk or in your car, and they're all made out of oil, directly and indirectly. Right. Every one of them. And so the the cost implications of this and what it does to the economy, you know, you remember during 2008, in the middle of the crash, oil spiked higher. Yep. And what followed immediately after that? A very serious recession because it shut down demand. And what the people in the market are telling you with the forward contracts is that the same thing's going to happen again. We are either in now or about to suffer an extremely severe recession. I think we're in now. Did. What do you say we talk about it on Friday? I think we're in one right now. And we you have been, you. I we think have you're been, right. Uh, SP Futures, we're up three. NASDAQ Futures down 32, so we are wobbling here. Uh, be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Round up the usual suspects.